So it's page 765. Starting right at chapter 19, verse 28. Have we got it? Are we all there? Are we all there? Go on, Amy, starts. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk, a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies of on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' body. Jesus sighed with a spear, bringing in a sudden flow of blood and water. The man the man who saw it was has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and, the tes- and testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and as the other scripture says, they will l- look on the one who have, they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Aramaeus asked Pilate for the, the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he, was, he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the, t- at the place where Jesus was crucified, there were there was a garden, and in the garden a tomb, in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the odd disciple the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realise that it was Jesus. 
Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. When I uh, pray. Right, lovely lot, take a seat for us, will you? Grab a hold of that bit of the Bible. So, week number five. Can you remember all the different things we've been looking at over the last few weeks? Shout out any of the titles that you can remember. Uh, well, that wasn't a title, that's cheating, that is. Why trust the Bible? Where's God in all the suffering? Good. What else? Can, can science really disprove God? And is Jesus really the only way? Okay, brilliant. Okay, People have been listening. This is good. Okay, Last one before we get back into the book of Romans next week. Today we're doing, did Jesus really rise from the grave? Um, and can I tell you, I'm not messing today. Um, I've now lost count of the number of times I have visited people who are in intensive care with their life hanging in the balance I've what I notice when I walk into those situations is the level of helplessness some of you are in the medical profession and you know this that you just one little push button on the plug in the wall to the life support machine and life has disappeared uh, there's a monumental effort to try to sustain life when people when people's bodies are breaking down or there's been a terrible accident but what strikes me is the sense of powerlessness in the room there really is no human answer to death but there is a divine answer and we're going to see that today let's bow our heads and pray (coughs) heavenly father we thank you that your word the bible tells us the truth about you tells us the truth about us and we thank you that in jesus it is good news So we pray, Lord, today that you would help us as we think on Jesus, the one who is risen from the grave. And we pray in his name. Amen. So one of my favourite quotes is from one of my favourite characters out of literature. You've all heard of Sherlock Holmes, haven't you? Sherlock Holmes, uh, written by, who wrote the Sherlock Holmes books? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, Can anybody remember what the address of Sherlock Holmes was supposed to be? 221B Baker Street, okay. And again, remember, he's a mythical character, but this is what he said. When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Okay, so if it were in our house uh, and a cake went missing, and I went and interviewed all the likely suspects and I interviewed Bethany and she was out of the house at the time I interviewed Becky and she's allergic to cake and I interviewed Amy uh, and she was at footy and I interviewed Emily, Lucy and Poppy then having eliminated all the 
impossible things. So those things were impossible. It wasn't them. Whatever remains, however improbable, that must be the truth. I had to go and see Jane. (laughs) The likelihood of her eating cake. Never. But you get the idea. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the world's most famous story, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and ask one simple question. Uh, Why was the tomb empty? Why was the tomb empty? What could possibly explain this empty tomb. And we need to do this wrapped up in the story a little. As we are having it read to us, did you hear some of the things that people were facing? We're sort of like eyewitnesses in listening into a conversation that is absolutely brutal. I don't know whether you listened well, but we heard how Jesus was beaten. He was hung on a cross in the burning heat of the day. They were going to break his legs. This is how brutal the Roman uh, form of crucifixion and torture was. It was devised by the Romans as a means of, of, of almost threatening the rest of the world. This is what happens when you mess with us. We will... We will kill you in the most horrible way if you are a rebel, if you are a murderer, if you are treasonous. And that is what Jesus had experienced, and it was seen in front of everybody. And, well, we heard about how there was that moment where um, uh, one of the disciples went with Nicodemus uh, to, sit, to ask Pilate, the Roman governor, can we have this body? And Pilate was a little bit confused. You know, Jesus had only been on the cross a few hours. Was he really, really dead? They went along to break the, the legs of the people hanging on the cross alongside him to hurry the death along. Uh, I'm not going to go into the ways that crucifixion kills you. Just understand it's gruesome. They, they went along, but Jesus was, uh, they think, thought he was already dead. Uh, So they didn't break any legs. Can you remember what they did to make sure? What did they do? They pierced his side with a spear. So they got a long spear and they shoved it up under here like that, rammed it in. So if you're faking, not that you could have faked, given that you were being tortured, uh, that's going to polish you off. And can you remember what came out? Blood and water. And before the advance of medical science, what, what they they understood but wouldn't be able to put in the same medical terms as we can, is that the clot and the serum separate on death. So the medical evidence of the day was that he was dead. And yet, down through the centuries, has echoed the cry, he is risen. Why was the tomb empty? And to help us, I've got my whiteboard. Okay, here it comes. So... I don't care how wacky, how how sceptical, how cynical. Okay, here we go. We've got to explain what happened to the body of Jesus. I've got my coloured pens. I know I've also got some real cynics in the room, so I'm really counting. Callum, I need you at your best today, mate. I want you to be as disagreeable and as doubting and as hard-faced on this one as you can be. Same with you, Peter. I've challenged you already before the start. I want you lot to be as unbelieving as you possibly can, and we'll see whether unbelief... Listen, I've been in those those situations at um, uh, in intensive care. I know I've, I've been in the presence of people as they pass from this life into the next. I know people don't rise from the grave. I know that. But we need to explain what happened to that body. Okay? Brilliant. Let's start. Who wants to start us off? Any ideas? What are the possibilities? What are the possible things that could have happened? How can we explain an empty tomb? 
Okay, let's put that one on. Okay. Um, we'll put this here, body stolen. I'm going to follow up with another question. Okay? Who by? Who could have stolen the body? Romans. Okay. Somebody said Romans. Somebody said, hold on. <laughs> Disciples. Somebody said aliens. Uh, brilliant. Good. Other things. Anybody else who could have stolen the body? Sorry, Sorry then. So, yeah, that's the Jewish authorities. So we'll put that down. Jewish authorities. Okay. And grave. Grave robbers. Good. So body stolen. Okay. That's usually the most popular one. What else could have what, what else could possibly explain the the body not being there, the tomb being empty? You gotta go hold on a second. God. That's cheating, he doesn't exist. He wasn't actually. Okay, good. So hold on. Not dead. Okay? Not dead. Good, I'm glad somebody's thinking sensibly. Wrong address. Okay, good. Somebody's thinking. What else could it, what, what other things have we got? I've got a list here. Sorry? Body was still in there. Okay. Right, we'll put it down. How do you spell camouflage? Uh, camo. Sorry, camo. 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 Or <laughs> okay, I think we're learning more about the way our minds work. Okay, come on, people. Anything else? Any other thing that could explain the empty tomb? Sorry? Did what didn't happen? The whole thing. That's a new. That's not unusual. Okay. Uh, didn't happen. Or there's one other that goes with it. You might not have died. It could have been like. Hold on, we've got that one there. Got it there already. Okay, not dead. And we'll come on to that in a minute. Didn't happen. There's one other one that comes up from time to time. Um, and it's this. Felt it right. Allegory. Okay. It was just a. It was a mythical story. Okay. So let's have a little look at these. Keep your Bible in hand, keep your common sense working, and let's work through them just a little bit and see what we can find. Okay? This is this recording isn't going to go very well for the thingy, is it? Okay, not to worry. Uh, brilliant. Should we start? Not dead. Okay. Uh, in what we've read, and just think about what we've read. Uh, let's have a little think about whether or not that's credible. Okay. And there's two ways that I want us to look at this. First one is something called the swoon theory. And the other one is um, swim theory. Okay? Something called the swoon theory. So the swoon theory goes a little bit like this. Uh, Jesus, having um, been dragged by professional assassins, we were the Roman soldiers. Remember, what happened to a Roman soldier if they were told to execute somebody and it didn't work? They didn't do the job properly. What happened to them? 
they were killed. So do you think they were invested in this one? I think they would have been invested. So here are these trained assassins whose job it was to torture brutally, publicly, and thoroughly somebody and make sure they were properly dead. Uh, they uh, beat Jesus for a few hours to the point where quite often when you get beaten uh, with that cat and nine tails, uh, quite often people die at that stage. Uh, the, 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 that whip thing that they use has got lead and bone sticking out the straps and it's used to literally remove chunks from your back and so your arteries are spurting and going everywhere. It's really gross. Some people even, uh, history records, get disemboweled by the process. Let's not talk any more about this because I want you to eat Sunday lunch. So having had that done, and then having to still just about be breathing, have to lump across up the hill, um, have his feet and hands nailed to that cross, cross dropped into the floor, usually so that the shoulder sockets uh, are dislocated. There's a little thing to, um, to press down on. Um, he's hung out in the, in the uh, burning sunshine of the heat of the day for six hours, gasping for every last breath, um, the eyewitnesses wanted the body, so what did they do? They went to see Pilate. Pilate was surprised. Pilate went, and what did he do to make sure he was dead? Soldiers pierced his side, blood and, well, blood and water, pot and serum came out, suggesting he was dead. Uh, he was checked by the Roman soldiers, taken off a cross, put in a tomb, and then the theory goes, well, maybe having been in the cool of the tomb for three days without any food and water or any medical care, having been medically shown to be dead, he woke up because actually all that happened was he swooned. Oh, it's hard being tortured. I think I'll die for a bit. Okay. Now, I think that's a possibility, but do you think it's a probability? So I think we can take this one off here. Uh, the dudes who were professionals at killing him probably did it right. Let's assume he is dead. But then there's a theory, and this one, strangely, this one's put forward by, of all people, Muslims. So if you were to read the Quran, and you were to turn to, and I'm going to quote this correctly, the book uh, in the Quran, in Series 4157, it says this, And for their saying, we have killed the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, messenger of Allah, and they did not kill him, nor did they crucify him, for another was made to resemble to them. And indeed, those who differ on, um, on this one have no knowledge about it, and they did not kill him for certain. Okay? So do you hear what's been said in the Quran, which was written 600 years after, not by eyewitnesses? They're suggesting, because they think it's terrible, the idea of, of God's son dying, they're suggesting that what happened was somebody who maybe was a twin who looked like Jesus, he was the one who was killed, it wasn't actually Jesus. Now you need to decide for yourself whether or not um, a book that was written not claiming to be an eyewitness account 600 years after the event is more reliable than the eyewitnesses who wrote, who saw and watched what was happening. Uh, they didn't seem to think that Jesus had a twin brother or somebody who looked like him. They seem to be pretty convinced it was actually him. Do you remember his mother walked by and he spoke with his mother whilst on the cross? I'm pretty confident that his mother would have been able to recognise him and know whether it was a fake or not. So I'll leave you to decide on whether... But to be honest with you, I'm going to take my red pen and say, possible, but all the evidence 
I think you need more faith to believe that evidence that he wasn't dead. What about the next one? Wrong address. The wrong tomb. Okay? Oh, it's a very emotional weekend. You know, everything's gone wrong. You know, you know, you know what ladies sometimes can be like when it comes to directions. I'm sure they meant well, but they went. Have a little look through, just in the John's Gospel account there. Talk about all the locations. Can you see those? What kind of detail have we got? What kind of detail have we got? What does it tell us about the location of the tomb, what it was like, who went there, how many times? What kind of detail have we got? <laughs> Will that do? Lots of detail. Uh, in fact, it could be argued that the whole of Jerusalem, whether they were believers or not, would have known where this tomb was. You go to Matthew's Gospel, I think it is, it reports about how the guards who had guarded the tomb they had to report back to Pilate, who asked them, what's happened here? Why is there a, why is there a body disappeared from there? This is your fault. Um, and he, he had to get the guards killed. Don't you think the first people who would have said, we're wrong too, would have been the guards? Hey, what? Hello? Please don't kill us. Wrong too. Wrong too. But it wasn't because it was the right too. So I think, Georgie, you're thinking along, along the right lines, but we have no... Oh, was that your mum, was it? Okay. Well done for being the, the mouthpiece of your mother, okay? I, I don't think there's any credible evidence on that one whatsoever. Conceivable, but probable? No, I don't think so. Right, body stolen, okay? What about the Romans? Why would the, why would the Romans want to steal the body of Jesus? Anybody got any thoughts or suggestions on that one? Go on. Okay. Uh, and yet, in the immediate months that followed, there was an explosion of people believing that Jesus was the Messiah. What would the Romans just have had to do to, to kick that untrue, false myth into touch and to stop all these people trying to challenge them and challenge the Jewish authorities? What would be the obvious thing to do? Ta-da! We're the Romans, we want to stop this nonsense, stop believing in Jesus, here's his dead body, Alex. That would have been the first thing they did, wouldn't it? But they didn't do that. Because they couldn't do that. So did the Romans pinch the body? No, if they, I mean, you'd have to believe a very elaborate cover-up plan, wouldn't you, with the killing of their own soldiers to prove that this guy who they just wanted to get rid of anyway hadn't been got rid of and was actually... They would have been building the Jesus myth that he was actually the risen son of God, which was the exact opposite of what they wanted to do. They wanted him dead and gone. Okay? So I don't think it was the Romans. Okay, what about the disciples? What about the disciples? Why would they have an interest in stealing the body? Brilliant! That sounds good, doesn't it? If you want to get a myth going, if you want to create and start a whole new religion, uh, if you if, if you want people to believe that that, that your new hoax uh, religion is believable, steal the body and hide it away, and nobody can prove otherwise. Only a few problems with that. First problem means uh, is that none of them were in the special forces. Uh, they would have had to take on a selection of well-trained killers 
to be able to get past them, move the stone, get away with the body, and scarf her off. Go on. I don't want to be the person in the Brilliant, okay. Uh, I, I love that, I love your thinking. Uh, number one. Someone had to move, had to move, Brilliant. You're doing exactly what I asked, which is be as sceptical as you possibly can. Do you happen to know how big and how heavy those, stone, those stones are? No. No. Okay, brilliant. Uh, the disciples took the body, assume um, we under Roman guard, we assume, so they had to check the tomb. Um, the way that those big stones worked was they were usually the size, somewhere between one to three tons, and they were pushed and dropped into sort of like a little divot, so you could, and usually there was a seal around it. Whether the seal had been put on or not, there's some debate about that historically. Uh, so what they could have done was somehow, let's say there were ten of them, hiding in the cave, thing out of the way, and what would they have found standing outside? Assassins, guards, Roman ninjas with big, sharp, pointy spears. Okay. Yeah. Um, so even if they had done their weight of two feet, which I think they probably wouldn't, having been, having been in the tomb for uh, two to three days with no food and no water, unless they'd taken very big supplies, probably quite sometimes those tombs were sealed in a way that was airtight, so probably didn't breathe either. Um, possible that there was some inside. Let's assume that that's not the case. Okay and they try to, to, to overpower the guards to get away with the body, you've got a bigger problem. Brilliant, okay. That's absolutely brilliant. I like that. Can you hold on to that? And I'll come back to that one in a minute. I like, it. I like this. This is good. Okay. So you've got a bigger problem. Why on earth would they volunteer for a life of suffering, oppression, misery, and pain. What are the main reasons that people would perpetuate a hoax for anything? Okay? The reason that you would perpetuate a hoax is because in some way it would give you an advantage. Usually money, sex, or power. Simple as that. Uh, history records that all of the disciples, because they kept on um, believing the claim that Jesus was risen from the dead, because they kept on telling the story of a resurrected Lord, what happened to them was misery, suffering, pain and death. All they needed to do if that misery, suffering, pain and death was, was there was to say, we're messing. It was a hoax. We've made it up. Here's the body. It's reported that Peter, and it doesn't say this in the Bible, but it's reported according to tradition, that Peter had to watch his wife be crucified. That's horrendous. If you were Peter and knew that this thing was a lie and you'd stolen the body, what would you have gone and rushed and done? Rather than see your wife be crucified. Here it is! We were only messing with hidden it. It was all we were only messing. But he didn't do that. Because Peter genuinely believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. So do we think it's credible that the disciples stole the body? Well, not really. You perpetuate a hoax because it's for your advantage. All of them suffered as a result of saying Jesus rose from the dead. They could have just produced the bomb. So I want to take that one off. Aliens. If Peter's shaking his head, it must be shaking. 
you know, um, I have nothing intelligent to say on that one. So I'm just going to leave it up there. And if you think it's a possibility, then good luck to you. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? Next one. Oh, this one's more likely, isn't it? This one's more likely. What do you reckon? The Jewish authorities, the ruling council. What do you think about that? Would they have stolen the body? Why not? Because then they would have been fulfilling the scriptures. Why did they want Jesus dead and to stay dead? Why did they want Jesus dead and to stay dead? He was a threat to their power. He was a threat to their power. If for a moment they saw the movement that began, suddenly this amazing development of people saying, Jesus is risen from the grave, we're going to follow him, we're going to trust him, we're going to follow your power even less, they'd have gone, ta they were, of all people, had the most interest to maintain proof that Jesus was dead. The only problem is, is they didn't. And they couldn't. Because, well, it's true, Jesus rose from the dead. What about this one? Grave robbers. Now, that's a realistic possibility, isn't it? Grave robbers. They might have done it. Um, what do grave robbers want when they go to the grave? Remember, this is first century Judaism. It's not. It's not in the. It's it's not the 1800s where there's medical research being done. This is in a, a place and a culture where dead bodies are viewed with a great deal of respect. There is no evidence in the first century of any kind of medical research or any kind of pagan ritual being done with dead bodies. When people go and rob graves, which graves were regularly robbed, what was taken from the grave? Jewelry? Grave clothes. Grave clothes. Gold teeth. Oh, gold teeth? A gold teeth. I don't know whether the dentistry was at that standard. Okay. The very expensive perfumes that were there to anoint the body. Okay. If you read that and the other accounts, what do you find? Neatly folded and stacked up next to where the body was lying. All those things. Can I tell you that if the body was taken by grave robbers, they weren't very good ones because they took all the wrong stuff. Not to mention the fact that there was an angel or two sitting there going, the body's gone. Uh, the eyewitnesses claim to have seen angels there. So do we think it's grave robbers who themselves would have been able to overpower the special forces Romans? And actually, you know, you can imagine some silly sort of like almost three stooges thing going, you know, the middle of the night stealing body and then they go, oh, we took the wrong thing. We've loved this massive body. Who's got the grave clothes? It's a naked body. It's just no you. It's just daft. It's silly. Okay. So personally, I think that one is crossed up there. So I don't think there is any evidence. Let's forget the eyewitness. Before he goes off, what about the Jesus by each it's worth more than all anything in it. To who? To, to all the to people who take the Jewish flight Brilliant. So if it was worth money to the, either the Jewish authorities or the Romans, what would these grave robbers have done? Cash it in. Yeah. And then the Romans and the Jewish people would have gone, ta-da! So you're dead right. It would have been if it was because of his celebrity and his power, and we would have expected his body to have been produced. But it never was. Okay.
Good, you're thinking the right way. I'm, every time I keep seeing this little glint of excitement, I've, I've disproved it. Gary's excited, and then dull. Oh. <laughs> but I like you've got to think that way. Commending you for thinking that way. Well done. Okay. What else have we got on our list here? Camouflage, or it was dark. Okay. I'm not. What? My only question to that one is, what actually would have happened in the dark? And with the camera, you know, they've got paint on. Dun, 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 dun. What, what did they actually do? I don't know. Who was it who said it? Was it you? I don't really think so. So I'm right in saying. So, okay. So, in public, your suggestion of real possibility is a furniture problem. Okay, don't want it. It's just like that pen that I lost down the side of the sofa. Jesus' body. Oh, don't want it. Good. Well, I'm crossing that off. Okay. Uh, didn't happen, and that's sort of this one here is this whole idea that the eyewitnesses were totally. Forget the eyewitness accounts, it didn't really happen. Your only problem with that is that sceptical scholars who spend an awful lot of time looking into this, um, they, well, let me, let, me see, let me tell you what this guy says. Uh, let me just find the quote. I'll find it here. It's somewhere here. Hold on a minute. I'm nearly there. Okay, here you go. This is in the words of the German philosopher. Uh, as far as I know, he's not a believer. Um, this is what he said. The evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that no one would question it except for two things. First, it is a very unusual event. I'll say, of course it is. Second, if you believed it happened, you would have to change the way you live. So, do you see what he's saying there? He's saying, as much as there is reason why we should doubt... Um, and as much as there is reason why the Jewish, uh, sorry, the, the first disciples had a reason for wanting it to be true, those of us who perhaps are a little bit doubting of it, we've got reasons why we don't want it to be true too. And we have to admit to our bias within that. So if we're somebody like that, the resurrection accounts cause us immediately to try and doubt our doubts and be sceptical of our scepticism, but we have to be honest that as well, we don't, some people just don't want it to be true, because if it is true, it changes everything. We, we move from being in a world where there is no God who has done nothing and has said nothing, to a world where God has invaded planet Earth, moved towards us in such a way as to say, I know your deepest need, which is to be right with me and have your sins forgiven, to come back under my loving rule. And I've met your, risen, uh, your, your greatest need, and the proof is there through Jesus Christ, the one who is the risen Lord. It was Aldous Huxley, the famous author, uh, who, he was the one who coined the phrase agnostic, and he said this, I had motives for not wanting the world to have a meaning. For myself, as well as most of my contemporaries, the philosophy of meaningless was a philosophy of liberation. And the liberation we sought was liberation from any Christian morality. Do you hear what he said? He was honest enough to say, I'm highly invested in Jesus not being risen, not being the risen laws, because then I can live however I want. And there's all kinds of things I want to be able to do that I know are against who Jesus is. So if I can dismiss him, then that suits me great. So I think that when we consider this one, what we have to do 
is weigh up the eyewitness account and balance it against our own personal prejudices that say, well, sometimes I don't actually want this to have happened because there are times in my life when I don't want to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. What about this one? Last one very quickly. I'll agree. I won't spend too much time on this. It's simply that some people who read the Bible, maybe study it for years, and they think it's just all a pretty story to inspire us. Out of sadness comes new hope. Out of death, new life. A little bit like the Easter bunny and us having eggs at Easter as, a, as a, just a happy thought for us all to, to dwell on. The only problem with that is that the people who wrote down the accounts that are sitting on your lap, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, particularly John, let's, let's focus on him, the one we're looking at, he didn't want you to read it that way. Do you remember what he says in just a few verses time? These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you will have life in his name. Do you get that? It's not written as an allegory, it's written as eyewitness testimony. So I don't know what you think about all that evidence. I'm guessing for some of you, you're totally sold on it. But I want it to give you confidence. But more than that, I want to tell us what that actually means for our life. And I just want to spend five minutes quickly before we finish just doing that for a second. If these eyewitnesses who gave their life going around the known world saying, we have seen Jesus risen are true, it means that the best news the world has ever heard came from a graveyard. Finally, there is somebody in the world who has got answers to those deepest of all questions. Where do we go when we die? And if he comes back and says it, we can take it seriously. In fact, it means if Jesus rose from the dead, it is a proof that we can take seriously everything he said. He made some amazing claims. He didn't just claim to be one who came from the, back from the dead. He claimed to be God with us. And if he claimed to be God with us, like many people have done, you look at the credibility of the evidence. And there's loads of crack, um, quacks and weirdos who've come along and said, I'm divine, I'll connect you to ultimate reality. But the thing that they haven't been able to do is prove it. If Jesus comes back from the grave and goes, ta-da, it's me again. Everything I said about myself is true. I am God with you. The one who came to be your rescuer, saviour, the one who loves your soul, the one who can forgive your sin, the one who owns this universe, the one who is coming back again. You can kick all that into touch if he didn't rise from the grave. But if he did, suddenly these well, they have to go up and be opened. They're proof of his amazing, amazing claims. And that's why we explain and how we explain the transformation of those disciples. They went from scared men and women huddling away thinking their world had cracked into pieces to being these adventurous people who took this message of a risen Lord out around the world. And those eyewitnesses who saw the proof that Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, went further. Because since then, all over the world, people... Oh, slow down a second. Since that resurrection happened, recorded in the Bible, there are over 515 people who saw the risen Lord Jesus. They saw him under all kinds of different circumstances and in all kinds of situations. The eyewitnesses, well, I wrote this down very quickly. Some of them were skeptics. Some of them were doubters. Some of them were his opponents. They saw him indoors and outdoors. And some of you say, oh, well, maybe they all hallucinated. Well, if you ask a, a professor of clinical psychology, he'll look you in the eye and he'll say that is absolutely impossible because a hallucination is a dream that is concocted internally. The idea that... 
500 people would have the same dream at the same moment in the same place and see the same delusion would be more of a miracle than the claims of a resurrection itself. If you claim that these people were suffering a group, a, group, a group hallucination, then you just simply do not know how hallucinations work on the mind. We saw his enemies transformed. Paul, or Saul, who loathed Christians, hated them, would go around trying to kill them, he claims to have had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ that transformed him from somebody who killed Christians to somebody who went around making more of them, telling the news of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, who was a skeptic and a cynic about his, his brother Jesus, when he saw the resurrection, he got convinced and went around telling the news that his brother was the son of God. What would it take for Amy, the cynic of Bethany, to go round and start saying, let me tell you about my big sister. She's God with us. I mean, it's not going to happen unless something tremendous, out of this world, extraordinary happens. Bethany, have you risen from the grave? Well, Amy ain't going to tell anybody you're divine then. Okay? And on and on and on, all these witnesses again and again and again, to the point where all over the world, the church, God's people, is filled with people who have a story of a past that is marked by death of some sort. Maybe tragedy, maybe upset, maybe personal failure, maybe sin. Maybe they were on drugs, maybe they were unfaithful to their spouses, maybe they got kicked out of school, maybe they'd made a mess up of their life. Maybe they were just ordinary people who were intoxicated by living their own way and being in charge of their own life. Maybe some had spent time in jail, maybe some had been filled with bitterness, hate and racism. But they met the risen Jesus Christ in, in the word of his scriptures, they trusted in him and their lives have been changed around. Now that is evidence that's very difficult to argue against. These are decent people, sorry, these are, these are people who've not necessarily been decent, but they've had something of a renewal and they've been changed into decent people who love Jesus and tell his story all over the world. So why should this be exciting to us? It means that tomorrow, when you go back into, whether it's work or school, and people say... What did you do this weekend? You may want to talk about how you went the footy or watched something on telly or had a nice Sunday lunch with the family. Or you could go and look them in the eye and say, I met compelling evidence that Jesus rules and reigns and has the final say over everything. Would you like to talk about it? Imagine if we really believe that, that Jesus is the risen Lord. He's the risen Lord who came to his people, who met them, who spoke with Mary, who comforted in her loss. He's the one who invites you even now to trust him for everything. We're going to sing just the first two verses of this song. Uh, See what a morning, gloriously bright.